Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 54. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy. Well, first, let me say Happy New Year, everybody. I hope you had a great holiday season. And for the first podcast of 2016, we are actually coming to you from the brand new soundproof room here at the Lend Academy offices in Denver, Colorado. I hope you notice the sound quality will be a little bit better. We've got a a pretty cool setup here. We've had a sound engineer working on uh, getting us a a room that has no background noise and, and higher quality equipment. So hopefully you will hear the benefit of that. And for our first guest of the new year, we're probably going with the highest profile person in our entire industry, and that is the, the CEO and founder of Lending Club, Renaud Laplanche. Now, Renaud doesn't need much of an introduction for uh, those of us who have been around the industry for a while, but I wanted to get him on the show because it's a new year and Lending Club had had a, a fantastic 2015, and I wanted to find out what was in store for 2016, talk about some of the issues of the day. You know, we cover, you know, we cover acquisitions, we cover partnerships, we cover risk, we talk about uh, regulation, self-regulation, and more. So I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Okay. Welcome back to the podcast, Renault. Thank you. Okay. So I want to start off with just talking about you know, your year. I mean, you went public in December last year, just over a year ago, and I wanted to get your take on... You know, how this year has been, it's the first year as a public company, and any surprises that, uh, that you've encountered during your reign so far as a CEO of a public company? Yeah, thank you, Peter. Yeah, so it's been a great year. I mean, we, we're almost uh, twice as big now as, as we were uh, a year ago. Uh, we've continued to report extraordinary growth rates and uh, over, over 100% or close to 100% year-over-year growth every quarter since uh, since we went public uh, while sort of getting more efficient and expanding margins. I think the, the main thing the IPO has done for us is really establishing, helping us establish the brand uh, and, and and the reputation of the company. Uh, and I think operating as a public company with all the, the transparency uh, that, that comes with it has really helped us uh, establish new partnerships, and and build uh, the reputation of, of the company publicly. So, so all that's been good. In terms of surprises, I think I'm uh, I've been surprised with how I think it's uh, with sort of inside uh, inside baseball uh, kind of uh, comment I'd make is uh, how uh, stock price variations uh, in the first year as a public company are more dependent on uh, supply and demand, and particularly the um, Market expiration and, and uh, distribution of shares from from the VCs than than it is uh, dependent on uh, the actual uh, fundamental results and uh, what we're hoping in, in in our second year as a public company uh, all that will normalize and uh, I think the the stock performance and the company performance will start converging. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense because I mean, know to say your company has been had a great year and. Uh, uh, any pretty much any metric you want to look at, it's uh, hopefully that will be reflected at some point. And I should disclose too, I am a, I, I am a stockholder in Lending Club as well. So, anyway, I just want to talk. Good for you. I want to talk a little bit just personally. What what have you been focusing on 
yourself in uh, in the last 12 months? So a lot of fundamental company building activities. I think we, I spent a lot of, of my time on strategy, uh, product, and all design. We were really sort of setting up the, the operations, uh, the technology platform, and, and the product roadmap in a way that prepares us for fast growth, uh, not just next year, but over the next three to five years. And uh, that, that took a big uh, lift from the team this year. I think we're at a place that, that really set us, up, set us up well for, for the next few years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, you, you, you have a lot of cash on your balance sheet. I, I think many people, myself included, were expecting you to start making more acquisitions, particularly when the acquisitions are sort of additive to your you know, to the loan book, and you obviously haven't made any this year. So what is your approach to the cash in your balance sheet? And I know you're not going to give anything away, but what, what can we expect from you going forward with regards to acquisitions? Yeah, no, certainly we, we have a lot of cash from the IPO, uh, and we're generating additional cash every quarter. And so we, we don't just need uh, that cash as a matter of funding the operations. Uh, and certainly the most likely use of uh, IPO proceeds is going to be acquisitions that are sort of accretive to, um, to to the growth of the company and, and essentially help us accelerate the, the roadmap. We've looked at a few potential targets uh, this year. We haven't seen anything that meets our criteria or our standards, uh, but we are, we've certainly uh, continue to be uh, to be active in that area. Right, but it doesn't sound like you're only focused on acquisitions because, you know, in your, in your last earning call, I think the last two earning calls, if I'm correct, you mentioned that you're launching a new product in the first half of next year. I think, in the, I think you mentioned recently it was a consumer lending product, but for those people who weren't on the earnings call, can you just give us a little bit uh, of information about that? Yeah, no, fairly. Uh, so we're gearing up for a major product launch uh, that's still on track for happening the first uh, half of next year, um, of 2016. We we said that we'd be sort of entering a entirely new, sort of large consumer credit category. We haven't discussed which one yet, and it's not uh, it's not just for uh, a matter of, of keeping it secret. It's uh, it's really that we want to be uh, sort of ready to give more details behind it. Uh, when we launch, and it's, it's a little bit premature to, to do that now, but we, we we're very excited about the, the potential there, and about just making continuing to make credit more affordable for for consumers uh, in the areas where they need it the most, and where, where it truly truly matters for their daily lives. Okay, okay. So, you know, also on your earnings call, you, there was a big discussion. There's a bit of discussion in the industry the last few months about customer acquisition costs. A lot of the newer companies are seeing their costs rise. It's it's just uh, it's more expensive these days to start a, a, a you know marketplace lending platform. It seems, and yet when you look through your costs um, in your public filings and your mention on your earnings call, that your acquisition costs are actually going down. Can you explain how you're able to do that? Yeah, I think it really um, comes to the some of the network effects. Uh, we've described in the past, and then the fact that the uh, the larger marketplace becomes more attractive and more efficient over time. The, the there are a number of of areas where these network effects manifest themselves in terms of rates, in terms of 
credit bots uh, in terms of online reputation and, and the size of the existing customer base. Then in terms of rate, I mean, we've seen um, many sub investors on platform investors being willing to take a lower return on average than what they would demand from a newer or smaller platform. And that really helps us lower the rates to, to borrowers and generate so not only greater marketing efficiency, but also greater quality and positive selection in terms of, of borrower quality, which helps reinforce the track record, uh, which continues to make uh, platform investors more, more confident. So that's a really nice uh, flying wheel there. Uh, with our highly diversified investor base on the, on the platform, uh, we also have a, a broader range of uh, credit spectrum we can we can play uh, in. Uh, that certainly helps with marketing efficiency. And then the last point is, is reputation. Uh, I think the the, the the IPO has helped uh, raise brand awareness. Uh, but I think what I've done the most for our online reputation uh, is really continuing to deliver a great service. Uh, we continue to report a net promoter score in the high 70s, uh, 78 was the last reading. And I continue to see a lot of word of mouth and a lot of positive, positive reviews online. And, 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 and we know that customers check interest rates, but they also check reviews. And they want to understand what their set experience is going to be before moving forward. And um, I think brand and reputation uh, of Landing Club really are helping us convert uh, prospects at a higher level and uh, and uh, generate marketing efficiency. So, so I guess it's all it's not just one thing. I guess you're saying that all these things move together. You're, you know, people recognize your brand above above your competitors. Your your own marketing channels are getting are getting more efficient. You're, I mean, the fact the fact that you're driving costs down where others are actually feeling it rise it's it's been quite a, quite a fascinating story and so i guess what you're saying it's it's a every little piece else is not like one of the major things you're saying like oh our borrower acquisition our borrower channels are suddenly twice as efficient as they were 12 months ago you're saying it's a combination yeah it's really a combination of things and then each each of these things really feed on each other and create these marketplace dynamics and, and platform effect that make make things better over time. But, I mean, the other just to be completely the other factor we've seen in the last two quarters is positive seasonality. We've said before that we typically have better seasonality in Q2 and Q3 than we do in uh, Q4 and Q1. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I want to just talk about uh, risk for a little bit here, and you know your. Your longtime chief risk officer, Chao Mei Chen, is retiring at the end of this month and wanted you to sort of give the listeners a little bit of a you know, background about what, how, how the transition is going, who is going to be running your risk operations going forward, and just talk a little bit about, about that. Yeah, so we are very uh, lucky to have uh, Sandeep Bandari uh, join us from Capital One just uh, a, few, uh, a few months ago. So we, we have planned for this transition over over many months and uh, we're able to uh, transition smoothly via the operations and the credit policy and, and, and the risk strategy uh, over over that period. There was enough of an overlap there. So really happy with how, how that's been going. Sandeep uh, was pretty high profile 
risk officer at, uh, at Cap One. Been spending the last 15 years uh, there in um, so mostly unsecured consumer credit. And uh, I think he, he has the, uh, the required experience <laughs> certainly to, uh, to lead the, the risk uh, the risk function. So we're, we're, we're pretty um, satisfied with, with where we are uh, from that standpoint. Okay, so uh, another question on risk, and this is around sort of you know identity and fraud and that sort of thing. There's been a you know there's a, a lot of talk in the last month about you know the San Bernardino shooters and the, and the and the loan they got from Prosper. So I'd like to take this opportunity for you to explain you know what exactly you do to identify your borrowers and what steps you take to prevent fraud. Yeah, yeah, and, and to be clear, I think the uh, understanding of, of the case is it's not a identity fraud issue. Right. And uh, Mr. Farrell did not pretend to be someone else, uh, so his identity was verified by Prosper uh, according to their, their processes. And I think the question was should there be a, some additional uh, checks and verifications? I, I think it, it's hard to imagine um, a process that would have caused. What, what happened? Yep. Um, this particular person had a seemingly a, a pretty stable employment, uh, had been around for a while. The person had bank accounts. They actually used their bank accounts to withdraw cash uh, just a few, few days before the event, and, and there was no identity fraud being committed. Uh, so it, it, it feels like the, the, the process, the procedures have worked the way they were designed to work, and, and the same. The same loan could have been made by, by any other bank. I think, um, as far as we're concerned, our BSA and AML procedures are uh, very much bank grade and they're, they're as, as robust as any, any similar process that would have been carried out uh, by a bank. In fact, it's all, yeah, it's all uh, approved and reviewed also by, by not only by web bank, but also by all of our bank partners. And the fact that we have so many banks, including some of the larger banks in the country, like Union Bank and, and Citibank, working uh, with us and uh, purchasing loans from us and carrying uh, BSA and AML audits on, on, on lending cloud, I think is, uh, is very uh, comforting. And I, I think it's, uh, it's a good question we should ask ourselves what, what more can be done. Uh, but it's not obvious that this particular case could have been avoided through, um, through any additional um, checks or forms, or at least we haven't thought of anything that would have allowed that to happen. Right. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. That makes sense. So. Another thing on on risk, I just want to talk about briefly. You know, there's been a lot of chatter. I know on the Lend Academy forums about your, you know, it seems to be a spike in in charge-offs recently, particularly in your higher yield 36 month loans. You know, can you? Is there any reason you're finding for that? Can you give any color to that? I, I don't think so. I mean, there, there's some sort of more volatility in the higher yield loans and, and some vintages. Underperform and, and over overperform. We generally constantly sort of adjust uh, risk and interest rates uh, in a way that sort of preserves the, uh, the high returns we've seen for for investors over the last several years. So we will continue to manage each particular bucket accordingly. 
there's, there's been no no systemic shift here, and we, we certainly haven't seen any overall degradation of the economic environment or, or the um, or the credit quality at all. Okay, okay, fair enough. So I want to, I want to switch gears a little and talk about partnerships. You know, there's, um, it was reported that you guys are doing a small business loan pilot with Google for their AdWords program. You've obviously, you've announced a ton of other partnerships this year, like Alibaba and that, and others. Obviously, Google AdWords is a, you know, that's a massive, you know, I imagine there'd be massive demand there if you were to roll that out. I mean, can you, can you comment on the, the pilot that you're doing with Google AdWords? Uh, you know, I probably won't surprise you if I tell you I, I can't. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we we don't comment uh, on partnership uh, discussions uh, either way. So I can't uh, I can't deny or confirm. Okay, well, we have there's been screenshots taken of uh, of lending clubs and loans <laughs> that are uh, appearing for AdWords customers. So anyway, we'll we'll we will stay tuned on that one. So what about your LCOI product? You know, you, you launched that a few months ago, uh, trying to attack, it seems like, the, the advisor market. So can you explain a little bit about what problem you're, you're really trying to solve with, with making, it, in making it easier uh, for third parties to, uh, you know, to open up an account and that sort of thing? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's really a distribution channel for, for us. Um, as you know, we've been... Uh, so very um, active in sort of preserving the share of retail as a percentage of total funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been fairly, fairly successful in, in preserving that in the sort of 20 to 25 percent uh, level that's our self-directed retail is concerned, and then another sort of 40 percent for for managed retail. Some retail investors um, want to. Come directly to our website and then sort of manage uh, their lending club account through the lending club user interface. Uh, others uh, are happy of using uh, intermediaries and, and um, look for sort of an additional layer of analytics or different different UI. And we want to make sure uh, these customers benefit from from the same um, level of, of service uh, from us. And then we want to make it easy. For, for customers to buy uh, lending club notes, uh, whether it's from the lending club website or from from any other uh, sort of financial advisor or online brokerage operations that they are already familiar with. Uh, so we we launched a, a very sort of robust set of APIs that help financial advisors and online brokers integrate with the lending club. Uh, the lending clubs of loan trading and notes trading and notes reporting platform in order to uh, sort of enhance that, that experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it seems like that's a, it's, it's a really big market that hasn't kind of embraced you know, marketplace lending yet, and it's interesting to see how that evolves. So what about your small business lending operation? Now, you've, it's been almost two years since you've, you started it. Can you give us an update there? And also, any plans to... To add these loans available to retail investors? Yeah, so um, yeah, we we I think we see that as part of the, the expansion in the, in the next few years. And we we said that uh, when we we're going to launch a new product, something be immediately available to retail because uh, we want to get a really good handle on performance before 
uh, we expose retail investors to to, to that risk. And um, I think with small business, we've made a lot of progress over the last almost two years in terms of predictability of performance. Uh, we've made uh, sort of a couple of we've gone through a couple of iterations of the credit policy already. I think the next step uh, is probably uh, going to be the creation of a, a fund to sort of aggregate individual investors into a fund before it goes to self-directed retail. In the way we see the funding cycle is to use a few institutional investors to launch the product, gain some level of predictability and performance. Then the second step is creating a fund or, or opening an existing fund to buy uh, to, to buy in uh, small business loans. And then the third step only would be retail at the point where we're really uh, sort of confident on, on performance. Right. So would this be would this be a fund like the LC Advisors Fund that you that would be run through LC Advisors, or are you talking about doing some kind of uh, public fund? I mean, what what do you can you elaborate a little on that? Um, yeah, I think I think both are possibilities. You know, we've talked in the past about the fact that we're exploring a public fund. So I think the, the small business, the next step in funding small business could be using either a a private fund, uh, like an LCA fund, uh, or even a public fund when, when that structure is available. Okay, okay. So then um, let's let's talk about you know, regulation and your efforts in Washington. You, know, you had a very detailed response. I think yours was the most detailed response, actually, to the Treasury RFI. And you know, I think uh, there was a lot of really interesting stuff in there. But when you're talking with the regulators today, I mean, you know, what is the mood in, in Washington and what are, what are the efforts you're making uh, around regulation and any possible regulatory changes? Yeah, so I think there's no question that as, uh, as we get bigger, as the industry gets bigger, there will be uh, sort of more and more sort of oversight uh, from, uh, from, from regulators. I think we, we welcome that, that oversight and we, we, we believe the level of oversight uh, will really depend on the type of product being being offered and the way banking regulators have approached us and the way we discussions we've had with them uh, continues to be centered around making sure that we continue to be as consumer friendly as transparent and as responsible uh, with uh, our credit products and credit policy as, as we've been so far. I think as long as we continue to design our product in a way that's fundamentally good for consumers and, and, and small business owners, I think the, the level of oversight will be more in the sort of checks and balances category than in anything that would create undue friction to, um, uh, to us or to our customers. I think what we've done, for example, with after the Springstone acquisition, of uh, immediately terminating that differed interest product that, that Springstone was offering and replacing it with a full no interest product was one of these moments where we showed regulators and consumer advocacy groups and the, the public in general that we were serious about uh, running a consumer-friendly transparent program even though the new product has a 40% lower margin than the old product. Uh, so we really put our money where, where our mouth is. Uh, I think that the kind of, of moves 
that really establish our brand and our credibility in Washington. And I think as, as long as we continue along that strategy, we're, we're really not fearing any, um, any, any new, uh, new regulation that would have undue cost Okay, so I just want to just have a follow-up here. I was speaking with somebody at the American Bankers Association, and they were saying that, you know, the regulations is, they don't think there's really any need for major regulatory reforms, but what banks have that marketplace lenders don't have is oversight. You don't have the OCC coming into your offices, or at least I imagine you don't, maybe you can share, but... There's no, there's no government agency coming into making sure that you are, you know, you're doing everything that you say you're doing. So, which you know, imagine for lending club, it's not that much of a big deal. But I'm thinking about for newer platforms who might want to cut corners and and do things that where the regulators don't like and that would be bad for the industry. I mean, do you? Would you? Firstly, I guess the question is. Do you have any agencies coming into lending club for oversight? And secondly, what what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so uh, I, I think that's right. So um, the, so far, the, the FDIC is then in the web bank, and then is a program of, of web bank. So there's, uh, there's certainly some oversight uh, there, but the FDIC doesn't uh, come on, on premises at at Lending Club at this point. And uh, the CSPD already has enforcement powers. Over uh, many consumer protection rules, like the like anything that has to do with fair lending, UDAP, trophy lending disclosure, and so on. I think that, that's about to change and be reinforced when the CFPB adopts rules on uh, larger participants in instalment lending, which we are scheduled to do in the first half of next year, and uh, that will uh, sort of give additional. Uh, provide additional oversight and uh, assuming Lending Club uh, is named as uh, one of the larger participants, um, that would allow me the CSPD to have sites visit like, um, like any other uh, bank regulator would have uh, to, um, uh, to uh, have a on-site due diligence uh, and uh, auditing and examination uh, process. Right, so it sounds like you would you would welcome, or you wouldn't be you wouldn't be against such oversight. No, 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 not, not at all. And I think, I mean, they, in, in in that matter, as, as in any other matter, I mean, if you go back to our to our competitive advantage against the bank, it's really the ability to use technology to reduce costs and automate tasks that would otherwise be manual at more traditional banks. And compliance is an area that really lends itself well to uh, automation and and uh, and, and uh, process improvement. It tends to be fairly repetitive tasks where automation actually not only works but but also increases the level of compliance because there's less of a risk of uh, human error, uh, human mistake um, in the process. Uh, so we, we think we can continue to build. Compliance as a competitive advantage, being uh, both lower cost and higher uh, level of compliance that you see at the more traditional, more traditional environment. 
Right, right. Okay, well, before I let you go, I want to just um, touch on uh, self-regulation. There's been uh, several initiatives that have come across my desk for some kind of uh, industry association. Can you give us an update on where Lending Club is on the whole self-regulatory idea? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the, I think the small business bars data right was the first attempt at self-regulation. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we participated in, in that effort and we've seen other companies joining uh, that effort uh, since it was launched over the summer. And I think we'll measure the effectiveness in terms of adopting best practices for, for small business lending uh, within the next few quarters and see how effective uh, that effort has been. In terms of creating an industry association, I think that's probably going to be uh, inevitable uh, as, as the industry becomes bigger and, and more complex. I think uh, to your point, there are several uh, rounds of, of discussions uh, happening now, and I think it's going to be a matter of understanding who the different players are and, and what approach uh, is going to be the most uh, effective in Washington. Right, so you haven't you haven't backed one particular uh, initiative over another as of yet. That's right. Okay. Okay. So um, before I look, last question, I know um, you're going to be doing the opening keynote at Lendit USA, which will be in your uh, in your neck of the woods in San Francisco in April. Any uh, any can, can you share what uh, what you're thinking about sharing in your in your keynote this year? <laughs> not 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 in great detail so far. Uh, but, but certainly the, um, the Landed Conference has become the largest uh, industry event and, and uh, we're really sort of looking forward to opening the conference again this year. I think we're generally trying to talk about things that matter for lending club and for the industry in general and, and trends uh, that we're seeing uh, around, around technology, around compliance, around product, uh, around user behavior. Uh, on credit quality, all these would probably be, um, be part of the, um, of the keynote. We're also trying to, to make it entertaining. So, uh, <laughs> last year we, we showed a new product concept that, that was uh, very well received. We also threw a drone on stage. That's uh, a so tough act to follow. <laughs> yeah, we raised the whole bar quite a bit. Uh, so we are thinking maybe live animals uh, <laughs> on stage uh, okay. would, be, uh, would be part of it uh, if, uh, if uh, the organizers uh, let us. <laughs> well, we're fine with it. It's a case of the hotel. But yeah, we'll let, that will be that'll be interesting <laughs> to see. Anyway, all, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Renaud. Uh, all the best for 2016, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Right. Thank you for having okay. me, Peter. Okay, thanks. Happy holiday. Yep, you too. Bye. Bye. I think 2016 is going to be fascinating, uh, fascinating year for Lending Club. We've, we're talking about the, there's a new consumer credit vertical coming up. We don't know what it is. I mean, I said in my predictions post uh, right around the new year that uh, I think it's going to be an auto lending um, app operation. I have no inside information whatsoever. That's just a hunch I have. And, you know, Lending Club, it's very, very hard to get any information out of anybody there that, uh, you know, in advance, they run a very tight ship. So I don't know, but I think that's going to be fascinating. I think we'll see a couple of acquisitions as well. 
I think uh, Lenning Club is in a great position. They are the number one in the industry and they're getting bigger and they have a lot of cash. They can pretty much, well, they pretty much do what they want, but they can certainly have a lot of flexibility in in who they want to work with and how they want to launch new products, whether they want to acquire them, whether they want to build them themselves. So I'm very much looking forward to, uh, to 2016 and seeing what it entails for Lending Club and the industry as a whole. On that note, I'll sign off. I very much appreciate you listening. We've got a lot of great things in store for you here in 2016. There's going to be more podcasts than ever before. And uh, I think we will uh, we'll try and get as many of great guests on as we possibly can. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. Bye.